Southern Skies. Online Media. This episode of Plane Crazy Down Under is brought to you by Oz Runways, Australia's most cost-effective electronic flight bag for iPhone and iPad. Get a free one-month trial today at ozrunways.com. And by JetRide Australia. Be a top gun for the day in a Soviet-era L-39 jet. Visit jetride.com.au slash PCDU for the fastest ride in the country. Well, good day, folks, and welcome back to Plane Crazy Down Under, episode number 94 of the program that looks at the world of aviation from an Australia-Pacific point of view. Back from a marathon trip to Narromine. In fact, I've just found out where Narromine was. It's a long way from this studio. I'm Steve Fisher, and joining me, as always, is the well-travelled Grant McHeron. Grant, uh, how did you pull up after that long trip? Oh, mate, it was uh, pretty intense. Uh, I did the big triangle, uh, Melbourne to Sydney to Narromine to Melbourne, whereas uh, you did the uh, hard yards and just went straight up from Melbourne to Narromine and back, didn't you? I certainly did. We uh, we hired a camper van, in fact, to get up to Ozfly, and uh, we had a fantastic time up there. We'll be talking about that in just a few moments. But, uh, boy, it's about 900, 950 k's, I think, from uh, the studio here. It's funny, I pulled into Tokemore just over the border, Grant, and I said to the lady, said, where are you off to? And I said, oh, we're on our way up to Narromine. And she just sort of stopped and goes, oh, so that's a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the one that I used on the way back was really good. I came down the Newell. So after going past Parks and taking the obligatory stop to uh, bow before the dish, that great big uh, parabolic dish that was uh, used during the Apollo missions, among other things, and part of the NASA tracking systems. Uh, yeah, stopped off, waved at that, and then drove back down through, uh, what, Forbes, West Wyalong, and then down the Newell Highway, which was mostly flat, mostly straight, and mostly empty. It was a fantastic drive. I actually came back through Tamora, turned off at West Wyalong and came through Tamora, so I had to make the obligatory stop there, only to discover that I'd missed Owens up by about an hour, would you believe? No way. Yeah, if I'd known he was there, I would have uh, put the foot down and travelled a bit quicker. But uh, <laughs> What, done the speed limit? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> no, actually, if you'd known he was there, you may not have stopped so long for that McDonald's break at Forbes. Yes, well, well. No, no McDonald's, mate. My wife might be listening to this. Oh, sorry. Yes, okay. And uh, yes, to the police officers who are listening to this, no, no, no. I was doing the speed limit in my uh, large four-wheel drive, yes. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, Grant, uh, I guess we uh, should offer an apology to our listeners for the long gap between this episode and the last. It's been nearly a month and we do apologise for that, folks. But uh, in our defence, we have been rather busy doing, well, doing some airshow commentary and getting up there to Ozfly. And of course, most of this episode will be devoted to Ozfly. But uh, also in this episode, uh, we'll be talking to Gordon Rich Phillips, who's the Assistant Treasurer here in Victoria. And uh, he's also the Minister for the Aviation Industry. And he's also a commercial pilot. And towards the end, we'll have some listener mail, of which there's been plenty, and uh, some shout outs as well. But uh, let's talk about Ozfly. What a fantastic week. Again, the first time they've held that event, uh, we did talk a lot about it in the last episode, and uh, now that it's happened, I, I'm sure that the next one will be on uh, next year. Oh, looking forward to it, mate. It was a blast. Really enjoyed it. Uh, very educational for everyone and very successful as well. A lot of great feedback, a lot of big successes, few learning moments, but on the whole, absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, Grant, as we mentioned in the last episode, the event was put on by the uh, Sport Aircraft Association of Australia, AOPA Australia and Australian Warbirds. Uh, between those three groups, they've uh, spent about a year planning 
for this and uh, put it all together. Together under one sky was the slogan, and uh, they certainly did achieve that. Oh, mate, there was everything. There were gyrocopters, there were ultralights, uh, RAOs, GA, warbirds, balloons. Everything was there. It was great. Everything from home builds to uh, buy it straight from the dealer. Uh, it was absolutely great. Really enjoyed uh, checking out all the aircraft on lineup as well as the uh, ones in the displays. And uh, generally had a lot of fun. There was, I mean, heck, there were even radio-controlled aircraft there. Yeah, that was sensational, Grant. Well, as we mentioned, it was put on by the Sport Aircraft Association of Australia. Its Vice President, of course, is David Brown, and he joins us on the line now from Brisbane to have a bit of a chat about it. How are you, David? Good evening, uh, Steve and Grant. I'm well. And yeah. yourselves? We're very well, mate. We survived the trip from Ozfly uh, back down here to Melbourne, and uh, trust you made it safely back to Brisbane. Well, obviously you did, or we wouldn't be talking. Yeah, I'm here, not six foot under, so anytime <laughs> you're looking at the grass from the green side, it's a good day. Yeah, but you got to fly back. I had to uh, drive a uh, 1993 Troopy all the way down for 11 hours. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you I had two and a half hours and uh, even though I was below 10,000, I sucked on oxygen all the way just to um, ensure that I was fresh for arrival. I'm glad I did because the next couple of days were like jet lag. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, it was a great weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. And, uh, you know, I mean, from the from the standpoint of the SAAA, you guys would have to be happy with the way this inaugural event went for the, the three days. Indeed. Probably should point out that not just the SAAA, obviously we were uh, the organisation um, at the centre of it all. We built it uh, around our previous experiences. Uh, AOPA and Australian Warbirds were uh, extremely excited. In fact, the feedback from their organisations uh, and everybody involved has been um, outstanding. The uh, constructive criticism we've received has been relatively minor and particularly more important, it's in line with our own criticisms, our own notes of things that we need to do better for next year. So when you look at it from that perspective, extremely successful. Uh, you could add to, uh, to that in that the numbers um, met and slightly exceeded our expectation. People always ask, you know, how many aircraft turned up? How many people turned up? To be honest with you, aircraft counting was difficult because whilst we had people registering, I had the privilege of going through the Aero Refueler's fuel sales and <laughs> uh, we compared the registrations. There were a lot of naughty people out there who didn't register. <laughs> <laughs> they bought fuel um, and we know they were there. So... When you look at that, you add uh, the numbers in that probably didn't register and didn't buy fuel. Um, probably the aircraft numbers were even greater than we expected, but um, you'd have to say probably 400 plus over the period of uh, the weekend. And at any one time, there was typically around 300 odd on the field at any one time. So that was exceptionally good. Yeah. Gate numbers, the local public, uh, people, we had people driving in from. Uh, places like Sydney and further afield, aircraft uh, owners, builders, you name it. Um, we estimate, including kids through the gate, there was probably another couple of thousand people at least. Um, we raised a lot of money for the local VRA, and just by the gate takings alone on the Saturday, not the Friday, just the Saturday, uh, there would have been something in the order of uh, 16, 1,700 people, adults, through the gate. And uh, if you had a few kids on as well, it was uh, that was a big effort. No, that's fantastic. That's a significant figure when you consider that Narromine is, you know, it's a little bit remote in terms of its location. So to get that many people coming into it to a small town like that is uh, that's an outstanding result. Well, it just shows people are interested. It also shows that you know, often if you put something right under a great population's nose, they'll just go along because they're like sheep. In this case, you don't attract sheep. You actually attract people that want to be there and people that are keen enough 
to make that little bit of effort. Um, yeah, it sort of sorts the uh, sheep from the goats, I suppose. But uh, we didn't have too many sheep or goats. We actually had genuinely interested people. So, um, yeah, very good result. And obviously the local uh, narrow-mind town folk and the, the regional area of Dubbo, et cetera, we're doing this in their backyard and their council and uh, their local uh, businesses are all involved. Uh, obviously there's a benefit to the community, so having the community involved helps uh, sort of build that cooperative spirit between us as the aviators coming into their backyard, but them also enjoying what we're doing. So it's a win-win for everybody. And certainly the local business folk and uh, the local councils um, were very, very happy with the result. And the couple of radio interviews I did for um, the folk in Dubbo, uh, the feedback there was exceptionally good. So um, awesome. we're, we're, we're really quite pleased. I think very encouraging too was the uh, I noticed a, a lot of young younger people there, a lot of kids there, you know, soaking up the atmosphere, and that's the whole point of an event like this, isn't it? Is to create you know a real appreciation, a real positive atmosphere around aviation, just to show that it's it is important and it does matter. Indeed, and uh, it was commented on a few uh, times over the weekend, and uh, particularly at the Saturday night formal dinner function. The modern era in jet travel means that little kids don't get to travel up the pointy end like I did when I was probably four or five, six or seven. And one of the uh, fellows who was volunteering on the weekend uh, as a check-in training captain from Virgin and uh, he said, you know, years ago, hours of boredom flying across the Pacific, he'd have a row of kids through the cockpit. And he said, most days you had two or three faces you saw two or three times. And that was a good indicator that he was actually doing something that inspired a younger generation. That doesn't happen anymore. So I think everybody's got an additional responsibility these days to uh, to inspire kids to um, look at aviation either as a professional career um, either via commercial flight or through the military, or even taking it up as a uh, um, private sport or uh, otherwise recreational um, aviation activity. They say that since 9-11, we've lost a generation of pilots because of that exact thing, that the cockpit door is closed. And yeah, you mate talked about kids. <laughs> yeah, not all of them are three or four years old. <laughs> Some of them were like 24 and 34. <laughs> yeah, 41. That's <laughs> today turned 44, yeah. <laughs> it was just interesting to note um, dinner function, the, uh, the, the young fellow I had come up and draw the winning prize at the mm-hmm. Dine on D1, he is the son of a um, SAAA member. And as a little kid, um, probably at the, about the age of seven, eight, nine, his father was poking him down the tail cone of an RV6 with a bucking bar in his hand and yes. <laughs> yeah, on the back of a rivet while Dad, you know, hits the gun. Yes. Well, this young fellow's just turned 13 and uh, his parents have um, invested heavily in his education and uh, he's now building his own RV12. Yeah, so, he's working on the tail fin of it or something. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, what sort of example does that set? So uh, it was good to have him along and uh, recognise his uh, his achievements and hopefully inspire a few others or, more the point, inspire a few of the older generation to go and expose the younger ones because they need to go back into their communities and, and develop a um, uh, some sort of method of uh, enthusing the younger folk and uh, maybe one day we'll have a young eagles program operating here like they do in the usa they do call it pay it forward and i know the uh, royal vic aero club does a young eagles occasionally down here in melbourne but we need to see more of them around the rest of australia that's for sure 
yeah, we need to get on top of things like insurance companies and what have you to uh, cover it. Everybody's mm. too, too worried about the liability and what if something goes wrong. And look, yep. sure, things can go wrong, but things go wrong on soccer fields and uh, you know everywhere else around the country. But nobody thinks soccer is a bad thing. So yep. the sort of um, things we've got to target and the sort of prejudices or the uh, biases or whatever you want to call it, we've got to overcome. And uh, little by little, I'm sure we'll get there. And that's that's part of the Ozfly um, process is to not only do something good for the existing generations, but also to help bring in the younger generation. So it was very, very good from that perspective. The other thing that I found really positive too, David, was that you had the people from RAOs there, and I even noticed the people from uh, the Avalon Air Show had a display there. So, I mean, that's really one of the aims, wasn't it, was to unite uh, many different sectors of aviation you know, together under one sky, wasn't it? You could say it was a deliberate ploy, but it wasn't a ploy. We were approached by the folk from uh, air shows down under um, and the well, basically the Avalon air show, as we call it. And Steve Wallace uh, was first or second cab off the rank, I think, with sticking hand in corporate pocket for a fairly sizable donation to the cause. And that in itself says something. These guys realise the power of networking and working together. And we're not to compete with their event. But at the same time, they want to come and promote their event at ours. And I think that's a, yeah, a very good message. And talking to Steve Runson and the president of um, RA Ozen, I'll be catching up with him at Monto this weekend. I'm going to go and attend their northern uh, function that they have at the great little town sort of northwest of Brisbane. And uh, it seems that folk like Steve uh, in, and, and Andrew Anderson, say, at AOPA, have a much broader vision and less of this... Um, you know, we'll stick to our own little thing and we run our own little race over here. It's it's far more a uh, open book, welcoming, sharing uh, ideas, sharing information and working together. And if there's one thing that guys like Peter John and Rob Glenn at, uh, from CASA pointed out to us 12 months ago was that's what the aviation industry needs. And through getting better levels of cooperation, we'll all help each other um, gain a, a, a more critical mass. And uh, I think we've probably, you know, we've started the ball rolling. Long way to go, but the levels of cooperation have been outstanding. There's a lot of uh, clicky looking down on each other parts within aviation that can cause problems. I mean, it's I've always said, I don't care how you get your altitude. If you're doing it, you're one of us, you know, that kind of thing. And even the RC guys, they're on the ground, but they're still in the air. And <laughs> we need more of that. And Absolutely. it's not a zero-sum game. It's not the situation where, oh, if you go with RAOs, you're not going to wind up with AOPA or with the, the uh, gyrocopter guys or with the balloonatics. I mean, you can be in all of them. Uh, I Absolutely. know a number of people who are. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. I encourage all the SAAA members to be a member of AOPA. SAAA is not an advocacy organisation, AOPA are, and they need everybody's support. I mean, I'm a member of multiple organisations, RAOs included, and I think it's important that particularly in a small community like Australia, where we do have a bit of a fragmented organisational structure, that if we're going to be a little bit fragmented, we need to have common membership and, uh, okay, it costs you an extra few hundred dollars a year. I probably spend, I don't know, $1,000 a year on memberships to various organisations, but I think the money is well spent. And, you know, do what you can afford, but do it. You know, don't yep. just sit back and expect everyone else to do it for you. Just on that topic, you mentioned the model aircraft guys. 
was that not a blast? <laughs> Mate, watching the F-16 and F-18, it was almost like I was a long way away from Avalon watching uh, Ricardo Draven throw the F-18 Super Hornet around the sky. You know, it was, it was just it like watching fun. the real thing. Yeah, I'll tell you, from our vantage point, we were calling the air show there, particularly the second one. Uh, you could not pick that from the from the distance we were standing. You couldn't pick it, the difference. Made all the right noises, made all the right moves. And I've got to give uh, Paul Bennett... Um, Paul did a fantastic job in pulling all these people together and that was something that when it was brought up I thought yeah why not you know it flies we're not being um, we're not being snobby about being real aeroplanes and uh, you know these things really do rock so you know, oh, I, yeah. was, uh, I was most delighted to see the end result and a number of people in the crowd I think thought, thought so as well so uh, you know, they'll be back I can well if uh, if Paul and I have anything to do with it they'll be back so. <laughs> Fantastic well it was a very uh, talking of the air display there I mean we had uh, three displays in two days I thought that went off quite well despite the technical troubles that Grant and I had commentating on the first one but uh, uh, there that was no uh, reflection at all on the uh, display yeah, well, that was uh, really we good. Were, we were going to have a talk to you boys about the only <laughs> defect of the weekend was you blokes. <laughs> no, we're, we're hired to be the defect. I've got to thank you guys uh, and and I think uh, anybody listening to this will understand. You blokes did an absolutely first class job. Um, I'm absolutely, um, in fact, I'd, I'd have to say I, I really should give myself great credit for allowing you to do it. <laughs> But seriously, you did a fantastic job all weekend. Thanks. On the topic of the air shows, one thing we have learnt, next year we'll probably only do two, but they'll be three-hour stints and we'll make them a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've, we've learned a few things there, probably make it a little bit better for those that want to come and go. You know, we realise that was probably a slight error in judgement, but uh, I think next year might be a little bit bigger and better, just maybe one less uh, one less event. Yeah. So. And we're also going to work with our good friends at CASA. Um, again, I've got to give these guys credit. Um, talk about proactive. We're looking at how we can, and, and also we'll have to work with the council in how to get the crowd line and the flight display line closer. Yes, so, that'll help. Yeah. I mean, we do have an infrastructure issue. It's not like Oshkosh where you can have multiple aircraft off one runway and a flight line on another. However, we've got a few ideas that might just uh, spice it up a little and bring the action a little closer um, without having crowd control problems. And crowd control is a big safety issue. So, um, again, we've learned a few things. We've uh, taken the notes and, uh, yeah, look out for next year. It should be much bigger and better. Yeah, I think yeah. Grant and I both, we, we both attended the briefings uh, prior to the air display there, and I was impressed with the way uh, CASA conducted that, and uh, they did a great job. And I thought it was great, like you say, that they did what they could to facilitate the uh, you know this, this event going ahead, and, and they were learning, I think, just as much as the rest of us were. Yeah, look, there's a couple of good guys Um you know, I keep saying BJ, but I tell you what, uh, many, many, many years of experience. Lee Ungerman and Rob Glenn were uh, were very helpful over the weekend. Ever we wanted to know anything, wanted to seek an opinion, you know, we couldn't have had better input from those guys. Um, if John McCormick or any of the folk at Casper are actually listening to this, uh, they probably deserve a pay rise. But uh, <laughs> anyway, but seriously, they, they they actually worked all all weekend and uh, Peter early in the week, and I know he had a few uh, few projects on the go himself. To uh, he was he was actually on a learning mission himself. So um, I'd, I'd have to you know give them ten out of ten for uh, for their cooperation. And while we're at it, in John McCormick's uh, absence, Greg Hood came along and uh, didn't he turn it up for the uh, for the audience on the Saturday night? That was uh, that was absolutely first class. <laughs> he did a very good job. He did indeed. Yeah. yeah. 
No, look, I got to hand it to Lee and the rest of the guys from that team. Um, I caught up with Lee the first time at uh, Mildura when they came along to one of the Australian Ballooning Federation events, and uh, Mick Poole was with them. Uh, Mick couldn't yep. be there at uh, at Narromine because he was over he at Reno know. with <laughs> the pricey guys. Uh, yeah, ooh, hard sell. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, they don't have a lot of people on that team. They've got. Uh, RAOs, they've got SAAA, the um, the Australian Parachute Federation, the Ultralights, the Balloonatics, and all sorts of groups in there Long that are self-managing. Yeah, and they've got like something like five, maybe six people on the team. Mm-hmm. And they they do really well on that team to to keep track of what's going on for everyone and to be able to then step forward and bring in a couple others from CASA and, and help look after this air show, I think, and, and general flying. I think was doing fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think the other good thing that they've been doing, and, and these guys recognise that to improve levels of cooperation, to improve levels of understanding and education, these guys need to have a far more um, in-your-face presence, but not one that is waving a rule book, willing to beat you over the head with it, <laughs> unless, of, unless of course you really do deserve it. That they actually do have uh, themselves uh, as being general aviation participants, and these guys are seriously active. I, I know uh, Rob. Lee and uh, and PJ are absolutely active GA participants, and the method by which they go about their business uh, is exemplary. And I think um, exemplary to the rest of the organisation. They really do, um, you know, do uh, the the authority proud. And look, I'm just as critical. I I, I don't mind. Uh, having my 20 cents worth when I think things aren't good. But these folks have uh, certainly been doing their best to um, to improve uh, everything for the uh, GA community and yeah, give them 10 out of 10. We want to mention, of course, too, the other uh, two great sponsors of the event, which, of course, was uh, QBE Insurance and uh, Aero Refuelers. The Aero Refuelers guys did, uh, did a great job on the weekend. Oh, didn't it? They worked their tails off. In oh, fact, yeah. um, they had two dinner tickets Saturday night and uh, – Young Brendan uh, said he was going to come along, and you know, he might. And the best he got was a beer up the back, and then he disappeared. Yes. They were absolutely shattered. And then later on the night, I'm trying to talk about how uh, sponsors, what have you, there was nowhere to be seen. They'd had to pull back out to Dubbo. They were absolutely shattered. Just to give you some statistics, they went through about fourteen and a half thousand litres of Afgas out of a ten thousand litre tanker, which they had to top up Friday night. That's not a bad effort. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. And some people missed out. You know, there was, uh, in fact, <laughs> we talk about Peter John from Casa. He missed out. He had to go via Moree to get fuel. So that's pretty rough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, they, uh, they had an excellent weekend. And uh, I think next year they'll be back with uh, two tankers. Well, they yeah. do a great job, Aero Refuelers. And I note here on their website that they're also supporters of Angel Flight. So well, that's certainly a company that we should all uh, get out there and support, aerorefuelers.com.au. And uh, as we mentioned, QBE Insurance, which, of course, is qbe.com.au. Mm. Absolutely. On the Aero Refuelers side of things, um, if you're an SAAA member, this is, this is a bit of an infomercial. We have a very generous discount uh, scheme for SAAA members, and that is uh, six cents a litre off through BP, eight cents a litre off mobile and aero refuelers. So um, whilst they were giving a, a hearty 15 cents off uh, for the weekend, um, those of us that are a little privileged um, enjoy a little bit more. So uh, have a think if you want to join up uh, SAAA. There's there's a few good member benefits there. Yeah, yes. no, I know all the exhibitors said they were flat out as well, uh, like Friday and Saturday, none of them had time. We'd, we'd drop by and we were flat out ourselves running everything and we'd drop by and just wave the flag and say hi 
and oh yeah we'll catch up after the show yeah because like friday it was like maybe we'll catch up this evening if we're in the area and then saturday it was like yeah we'll see you tomorrow no we'll catch you afterwards <laughs> everyone was just all of us were all flat out so uh big success mate i think well done to everyone involved in putting it Ozfly together and well done to everyone who helped chip in and make it what it was so uh yeah excellent yeah. start yeah and thank you to all the other exhibitors um you know we're going to leave all their details up on the website i'd say the vast majority of them will be back next year i didn't get even to talk to all of them however the emails that have been coming back um, with the uh, survey information every one of them has been positive you know i'm sure there's someone there that thought oh gee it could have been better and you know that's always the case however all the feedback i've had has been uh, very very good indeed and i think the guys from oamps turned up with two or three people they're thinking they might bring four or five next year so that just gives you an idea of the uh, the buzz that was in the exhibitor hall we had over 30 exhibitors so next year we're going to have to look at uh, increasing the size of that facility and uh, little by little we're going to work on it we won't be off overnight. (laughs) It's a very good start. Here's the only suggestion I'd make. We ran out of pizza and we need bigger pizza stores there. uh, Yeah, now, there's a a good one. Uh, Old mate, um, what was it, Big Daddy's Pizzas? Yeah, Big Daddy's Pizza, they did a magnificent job and I think they supplied the the broadcast uh, position with uh, several uh, tons of pizza that week. (laughs) (laughs) Was that why they ran out? That's probably Uh, is. We probably helped. (laughs) (laughs) I did give him uh, a big heads up uh, a a few days beforehand. I said, look, you know, because he had another function to do, I think, Sunday morning. So he had to be out of there Saturday evening pretty early. But I think he ran out Friday and came back Saturday, stopped up again. In fact, you mentioned uh, food and running out. The On the Friday night alone, the Aero Club pushed out something like 500-odd meals. In fact, I struggled to get dinner myself. I actually had leftovers. So <laughs> I mean, the guy organising the show has to have leftovers. Um, and I know a few people uh, were in a, in a similar boat. And the pizza guy had run out. That's a pretty good effort. Well, it was a fantastic start, David. Uh, it's a credit to yourself, Martin Ongley, Mark Rowe, and uh, all of your team there. David Brown is the Vice President of the Sport Aircraft Association of Australia, and you can find out more about them at sAAA.com. David, thanks very much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon, and uh, if not before, we'll see you at Ozfly 2013. Yeah, and thank you, uh, Stephen Grant, and uh, to everybody listening, uh, those of you that came along this year, come back next year and bring a friend. Those of you that didn't, you don't know what you missed out on, so make sure you bring yourself. Coming up a bit later in the show, we'll uh, play a couple of interviews that we recorded while we were at Ozfly. We might even uh, torture you with a bit of our air show commentary as well, just for a bit of fun. But coming up next, we'll be talking to Victoria's Assistant State Treasurer and Minister for the Aviation Industry, Gordon Rich Phillips. Always wanted to be a Top Gun? Looking for the ultimate heart-pumping experience? JetRide gives you that and more. With your personally tailored flight and individual gift pack, JetRide will make your dreams come true. At up to 900 k's an hour in a Soviet-era L-39, this is the jet fighter thrill of a lifetime. Go to jetride.com.au slash PCDU or in Australia call 1-300-554-876. Nothing is impossible. This is Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Here's Peter Johnson. We're in front of the Merlin. Can you tell us a little bit about the aircraft? What aircraft did you fly before? Uh, Suhoi 22. Right, okay. That's quite an interesting aircraft. Mm -hmm. What was that like to fly? Faster. Yeah. (laughs) Gareth Stringer. Make no bones about it. This is still a very capable aircraft. The cockpit's very cramped, you've got leg restraints on, you're sat on a seat that's got explosives in it. Tim Robinson. 
Uh, also the A400M, got to go inside and uh, have a poke around with. Just uh, taking me on the trip of our lifetime in a F-18F Super Hornet. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Plan your flight, fly your plan with Oz Runways. Oz Runways turns any iPad or iPhone into a full-featured moving map GPS complete with all the official Australian aviation charts. Oz Runways makes the task of creating and submitting a flight plan a breeze and can be a great tool for improving situational awareness en route. Annual subscriptions start at only $74.99, so get your copy today. For your free one-month trial, search for Oz Runways EFB in the iTunes store or visit ozrunways.com. Oz Runways. Know where you're going. I'm James Williams from Podcasters Emporium and you're listening to Plane Crazy Down Under, now proudly part of the Lifestyle Pod Network. Well, we're sitting here at uh, Spring Street at, in the Treasury Building, and we're here with the uh, Victorian Assistant Treasurer and the Minister for the Aviation Industry, Gordon Rich Phillips. Gordon, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks, Steve. It's great to uh, great to be here. Aviation is a predominantly, as far as I understand, a federal in the federal sphere. So, given that we have a state minister here in Victoria, how does your role differ from the federal sphere? That's right. It is uh, aviation is federally regulated, and my role is not about regulation, but it's about advocacy and about support and development of the industry. Uh, Victorian government sees aviation and aerospace as industries which are of uh, importance to Victoria. Uh, Victoria has always been very strong uh, in aviation and aerospace, uh, long history in aviation and aerospace, uh, home of the Air Force, home of the first powered flight in Australia, home of the first passenger flight uh, in Australia, uh, the home of uh, aircraft manufacturing in Australia. So we've got a very strong base in aviation in Victoria and uh, uh, we see a role for government, Victorian government, in building that base in Victoria. So it's very much about an industry development focus. And of course, um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, news coverage lately about how things are going in the industry here in Victoria at the moment, particularly with Avalon, particularly with changes at Qantas and all that sort of thing. How do we see, how does the government view... We see a positive future for aviation in Victoria and, and yes, we hear negative stories, but we don't hear so much about are the positives. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tiger which is one of the two uh, Victorian-based airlines, announced that uh, it's adding 70 people uh, to its workforce here in Victoria, in the manufacturing area. Uh, Gibbs Aeronautics in Latrobe Valley is uh, growing at a fantastic rate and looking to introduce uh, new aircraft to production. Uh, Boeing at uh, Port Melbourne uh, is a very major aviation aerospace manufacturing facility in Victoria, uh, one of the largest Boeing has outside the United States, and it's going growing at a fantastic rate with the, uh, the 787 work. Uh, we've seen new investments in aviation training. Uh, CAE uh, commissioned a new uh, Beach King Air simulator a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've seen CAE invest in Oxford Aviation, which is our largest flying training operator uh, here in Victoria. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, very positive uh, stories, uh, a lot of very positive things happening in aviation in Victoria at the moment. It's just Qantas seems to get the, uh, whatever they do, seems to get more press, press at the moment because of everything that's going on with them. Look, Qantas is always a, a big focal point for the aviation industry uh, and for the, the general media because uh, for a lot of people, aviation is Qantas or Qantas is aviation. Uh, but uh, Qantas is not the only uh, story in, in town and there's a lot of other things happening which are very positive. We've got a lot of questions here we'd like to ask you, Gordon, but uh, before we go into too much about what's happening in the state, um, you know, our listeners would be interested to know that you're also a commercial pilot. I am. I've been uh, flying a bit over 20 years now. Uh, I'd like to fly at uh, Berwick. 
Right. Back in the early 90s, yep. and uh, I've currently got a, a commercial licence and a multi-engine uh, instrument rating. So what, if, what kind of aircraft have you flown? Well, actually, let's roll back a bit. What got you into flying to begin with? Well, uh, that goes back a long time. Uh, I have a family background in flying, uh, which goes back uh, several generations, and uh, so I learned to fly when I was uh, 17, and uh, have been flying ever since, and uh, uh, continue to fly now. And I understand you did uh, flying as part of your um, university work? I studied uh, at RMIT Aerospace Engineering, and I have a, a Bachelor of Business from, from Monash. And uh, I've never flown commercially, even though I have a commercial licence. And uh, I ended up working in uh, doing some work in aviation politics back in the mid-1990s with the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association at the time when the change of leadership uh, there in the mid-1990s and uh, did some lobbying work with the then Keating government around some of the civil aviation Act changes and indeed the establishment of CASA when air services were split off from, from what is now CASA and uh, through that that process uh, in Canberra and seeing the political process in Canberra working in the aviation area uh, I ended up coming back to Victoria and uh, becoming involved in, in politics here so uh, it's actually aviation that led to my involvement in Victorian politics. Fascinating. Going through the 1990s, um, there was, a, as you mentioned, a time of great change with CASA you know, the Civil Aviation Authority disappearing and being replaced by the, the organisations we know now. I'm, I'm curious as to how, you know, we've sort of moved into an era of user pays pretty much and, and you know, user fees, landing fees, all that sort of stuff is always a big issue for our listeners. How did AOPA feel about that at the time? There was, we've heard talk around that they sort of were in favour of that if the money was to be returned to aviation. Look, certainly the, the position... Uh AOPA took at the time, and not here to speak on AOPA's behalf, but uh, uh, was to support the shift to user fees on the basis that it would be more transparent than the previous uh, fuel levy, because there was a very substantial levy on Avgas, which paid for airports, and uh, the shift to uh, user fees was to ensure that the people actually using the airports were the people paying for them, because you had a lot of people that never went near a a government-operated airport. Uh, or an airport with a tower or control services who were nonetheless paying via the Avgas levy. So uh, AOPA supported the shift uh, to a a fee-based structure so that the people actually using the facilities were the people uh, paying for them. Um, Just moving on to Berwick, you said you've now... Actually, I did my flying training at Moorabbin and I've landed a few times at Berwick and uh, we notice there's still hangars out there. We've talked a lot about the fact that that's no longer an airport. What do we do to to stop these airports? I know Berwick's sort of been caught up in the urban sprawl, I guess, but... We, we, don't, we didn't see that replaced with anything. Is No, it didn't. No, we didn't. And that's one of the challenges. Uh, we don't see many new airports built. In fact, the last airport built in Victoria would have been Mount Hotham back in the, the mid-1990s, and prior to that, you'd be looking 20 or 30 years earlier. Yeah. So airports are not easily replaced when they're lost, and we are losing airports. Uh, we've lost the, uh, the airport at Grovedale as well, Geelong, mm-hmm. uh, quite recently. Uh, so... There is a big need to ensure that we protect our existing airports and the government uh, going into the 2010 election had a policy of working to protect the environs around airports. Uh, We already do that with Melbourne Airport, which is obviously a 24-hour curfew-free airport. Uh, It actually has, uh, in our planning legislation, uh, protection to ensure that there's no urban encroachment which will put at jeopardy its 24-hour curfew-free status and we need to ensure that we have a similar view with our regional airports so that they're not encroached by urban development and, and uh, suffer the consequences because they are irreplaceable assets. Now, I guess the, um, the thing that leads on to here in Melbourne, of course, is that we have Essendon, which is always under some pressure from various um, you know, 
groups that would like to see it perhaps closed. And Moorabbin, which is not as busy as it used to be when I was learning to fly, and we hear stories, at least anecdotally, of, of quite substantial rent raises by the operator out there. So how do we protect those airports from being closed? Well, Essendon, on Essendon, the Victorian Government is a very strong support of the retention of Essendon Airport in its current form. Uh, we see it as a, an important piece of aviation infrastructure uh, in Victoria. It's the home base for our emergency services. Uh, we have the uh, Victoria Police Air Wing out there. We have the air ambulance operations out of Essendon uh, serving country Victoria. It's a, an important base for corporate aircraft uh, coming into Victoria and it's also an important uh, facility for uh, people visiting Melbourne from uh, country regions and indeed intrastate. So uh, we see it as an important part of our airport infrastructure and obviously it's an important reliever airport for Melbourne Airport. We would have substantially greater congestion at Melbourne if Essendon was closed and those operations transferred uh, to, to Melbourne. So it plays an important role there and it's very much the Victorian Government's view that Essendon needs to be retained in its current form. Moorabbin is also an important part of aviation infrastructure. It has challenges given its location and it goes back to the, area, the issue we spoke about before with urban encroachment. Obviously um, Moorabbin's been there uh, I think the best part of 60 years. Yes. Uh, when it was established it was uh, uh, surrounded by market gardens uh, it's now seen substantial urban encroachment, which creates issues. And uh, I know uh, the operators at Moorabbin are very conscious of that and, uh, and work with the local community, but uh, it is a, an important training facility. Uh, it's an important uh, export earner for Victoria in terms of the international pilot training that takes place there. And uh, we need to uh, work with the community uh, and work with the airport operators to preserve that facility. I noticed when... Um uh, the CAE investment in Oxford and the potential for training a lot of the Jetstar um, cadets and so on came through. A lot of the local residents were um, getting concerned because it would put more traffic in the circuit and the, the local council was, was getting a little vocal about it. Um, I remember we, we organised a few folks to, who lived in the area to actually stand up for it as well. Uh, how do you find that balance? I mean, there's talk in the States of introducing contracts, uh, clauses in, in lease contracts and, and ownership contracts that say you're under a flight path, you're in a near an airport, noise is not an issue, you can't complain about noise type of thing or you acknowledge that it's there. Look, I think it's obviously important that uh, people are aware of the airport when they're moving into the area and uh, I think that has been one of the, one of the issues that uh, around an airport there is going to be some noise but it is, uh, it's an important facility for us and uh, the operators are very conscious of the noise issue and, and you know, the way circuits are managed at Moorabbin uh, takes that into account and uh, the reality is not all the growth in uh, training by Moorabbin operators occurs at Moorabbin. Uh, a lot of it occurs uh, elsewhere using regional airports because they are very conscious of, of that impact. You, uh, you mentioned, of course, the uh, being a great export earner for Victoria yes. and, and it certainly is. Grant and I get right around the state here and we see a lot of international training going on. What role does the Victorian government play in, in obtaining that? Do you, think, do you go to uh, trade ex, you know, expos overseas, perhaps India and in Asia, to try and bring that business into Victoria? Absolutely. We work very uh, closely with uh, the aviation industry and in February of this year, uh, the Premier led the Super Trade mission to India, which had a large aviation component, uh, looking for opportunities for Victorian companies uh, from an investment point of view and also from an export point of view. And uh, uh, Next month we have an even larger mission going to China, which will also have uh, an, a large aviation component uh, looking at opportunities. 
I think Victoria is seen, or Australia in general, but Victoria in particular, are seen as a great destination for pilot training. Uh, we've got uh, typically good weather, notwithstanding the last uh, winter. Uh, we have uh, good terrain, uh, good infrastructure, low levels of, of congestion in our airspace, so it's actually an ideal uh, training environment. We're much better placed than cities like Sydney in terms of the airports we have around the Melbourne Basin, and we've got a great product to sell, and that's been well received in, in the Asia-Pacific region. And do you sense that uh, you know, we, we've talked about before on our show about the, the possibility of, of a lot of the airlines that are sending their students here at the moment, the, the possibility that they might set training spans up of their own in their home countries? Generally speaking, do you, do you sense that might be something that might... That's, that's always a possibility. We're, we're working in a, in a competitive market and we need to ensure that the product we offer in Victoria remains competitive. But we have those advantages that I spoke about before with you know, lack of congestion, good infrastructure which is often not available in the markets that we're actually getting trainee pilots from, and China's a good example, because of the congestion and the, and the level of traffic that, that occurs in there. So uh, we, have a, we actually have a, a real competitive advantage with the lack of congestion in Australian airspace. Just shifting gears slightly, you, you said you've got the multi-engine instrument. You're maintaining that at the moment, or are you mostly VFR single? No, I am, uh, I am maintaining the instrument rating. In fact, I did a renewal last week. Okay. Uh, so uh, still, uh, still current on the instrument rating. And, uh, How'd that go? That's good. Uh, I enjoy, uh, enjoy the annual uh, renewal. <laughs> it's uh, a good set of skills, yep. uh, the instrument and the multi-engine. So uh, yeah, I'd like to, like to get out and do a bit of instrument flying. Do you fly yourself around with your role as a minister? Or? I try to uh, when I can. Uh, obviously, it's very convenient visiting airports, and I, I do visit a lot of airports uh, with the Regional Aviation Fund, which the government set up last year, and uh, try to get around and see as many airports in Victoria as possible. Unfortunately, I've got... Well, not unfortunately, but uh, I have other <laughs> other roles uh, in the government as well as, as Assistant Treasurer and Minister for Technology, which take up a lot of time, but uh, I do like to get around and see as many of regional airports in Victoria as possible to understand what's happening at them, what sort of activities going on, and also uh, needs in terms of infrastructure, mm. because we have that, uh, that fund there to support uh, works at regional airports. And uh, as uh, many of the listeners know, a lot of our regional airports are very old. Yeah. Some of them date from the Second World War. So uh, there is certainly uh, an opportunity to upgrade some of those facilities. How do you find juggling three portfolios and, and keeping everything going? Look, it's a good, it's a nice challenge and it's an interesting contrast because uh, my role as Assistant Treasurer is very much focused on a lot of internal government matters and it, it covers things like superannuation, which is a sort of a $30 billion uh, state government issue, work cover, which is $10 billion, TAC, which is similar size, as well as a lot of procurement within government. So that takes a lot of time. Uh, and it's very much internally focused, making government run more efficiently. And then the technology role and the aviation role are very very outwardly focused, looking at, in both cases, at industry development. So it's a nice balance. And you, actually with aviation and, and technology, the two are quite together these days with avionics and so on. They are. And uh, there are a lot of uh, similar challenges in, yes. in both industry sectors, uh, particularly in attracting young people, yep. which is one of uh, the big focal points. We released some initiatives last year in the technology area about attracting people in uh, secondary schools to, and even primary schools to undertake the types of uh, science and maths courses that we need for young people to go into technology careers, and it's very much the same objective uh, with aviation. And we often talk too about the focus, and everybody thinks flying, of course, they all often think of pilots, but you know, we were talking to, at a uh, 
Careers Expo recently to some operators of a uh, training school for uh, licensed aircraft maintenance engineers, and he made the point to me that the vast bulk of, of LAMI work in this state is done on levels below the airlines. So how do we get that word out? I mean, we need to get out to the schools and get that word out to the kids as well, that you might not want to fly, but there's, there's plenty of other roles that you can undertake. Absolutely, and that's uh, something we are looking at within government now. Uh, we already have a number of, uh, there are a number of schools in Victoria that run uh, aviation programs that are generally directed towards pilot training and uh, Brentwood Secondary College in my own electorate. That's a great program. And then there's another one at Frankston, which is also in, in my patch. Uh, so there are a number of state schools that run aviation programs which raise awareness of, of uh, the sector and uh, uh, I think there's an opportunity for us to do more in that area and I'm, I'm looking towards, uh, towards doing that uh, because we do need to encourage young people uh, to enter aviation and the maintenance area in particular is an area where we need young people to enter, to enter the industry. In June I released a discussion paper on what we've termed the National Aviation Services Precinct, which is a concept to uh, bring together the aviation industry with aviation training, because increasingly the type of training required uh, in aviation, and particularly in maintenance, is very specific to uh, manufacturers. The best example of that is the new Boeing 787, a composite aircraft. Uh, very specific skills are required to maintain that aircraft, and uh, it's important that the people being trained uh, in aircraft maintenance actually have access to uh, to an aircraft like the 787. So the concept is to bring uh, the industry together with training uh, on a site. So um, we're seeking uh, some expressions of interest uh, around the world with that sort of concept and uh, working through that to see what can be done uh, here in Victoria to provide the skills base that we need for our industry. It certainly is, you highlight there the fact that there's work being done in Victoria for companies such as Boeing, which highlights the fact that it is a global industry. Uh, an issue that we hear a lot at the moment on economic issues, I guess, is the, uh, the strength of the dollar at the moment. Does that present, obviously, some challenges in that regard? It does. It's um, The strength of the Australian dollar has been a big challenge for a lot of our aviation industry. Uh, our training, our export training industry has, uh, has obviously felt the effect of the dollar, as has our manufacturing uh, sector. But uh, in areas where we are globally competitive, and the work that Boeing is doing in Australia is a, in Victoria is a good example of that, uh, we are going from strength to strength. And with companies like Gibbs Aero, which manufacture a unique product, uh, they're going from strength to strength. So very quickly, we're coming to the end of our allotted time, as the phrase goes. We've got Avalon Air Show coming up. The, uh, it's very big for Victoria every two years. It's coming up in uh, March next year. Um, how heavily involved in that are you? The Victorian government is a big uh, supporter of the Avalon Air Show. It's been running every two years since uh, I think the early 1990s and it's a great event for Victoria and it's a great showcase for our aviation industry and uh, I'll be there and I'm very much looking forward to it. It's, it has been a great event for Victoria. Well Gordon, we very much appreciate your time. We know you're very busy and uh, to come and speak to us uh, this morning and uh, Gordon Rich Phillips. We can find your website at richphillips, that's with a hyphen, .com.au and you're on Twitter as well as richphillips, MLC. And if our uh, listeners would like to submit questions about aviation, are you happy to... Absolutely, Steve. Thanks very much. Thank Thanks you. for spending some time with us. Hey, pass me your desktop flight planner. Hey! Ha, you won't be needing that anymore. Not when you have this. Ooh, iPad. Uh-huh, with AvPlan. 
AvPlan is a complete flight planner and EFB tool for iPad or iPhone. You can use it for VFR and IFR, and it has NAPES integration for weather and NOTAMs and unique weather overlays on your maps. Produce fast, professional flight plans and have unparalleled situational awareness during flight with AvPlan from Avsoft. You can download it now from iTunes or visit avsoft.com.au. AvPlan. More in your EFB. Want to advertise your business on the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast? Scripts and Voices has teamed up with the boys at Plain Crazy Down Under to bring you an exclusive offer. Scripts and Voices can make your ad to feature on this podcast at a specially reduced cost. That includes writing your ad, voiceover, backing music and production. To get your ad made in time for the next podcast, check out scriptsandvoices.com. Follow the link and send us an email. For advertising rates and packages, please see the Plain Crazy Down Under website. You're listening to Ozfly Radio, thanks to Aero Refuelers and QBE Insurance, Australia's private and sport aviators together under one sky. Well, as Paul Bennett's Avenger pulls up in front of the gliding club, we're joined here by Hunter Jones. Hunter, welcome to Playing Crazy Down Under. Playing Crazy Down Under in a nice, cool, narrow mine. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Very you. cool. Now, Hunter, we first met uh, way back at Oshkosh last year uh, on the... Uh, Gyrocopter stand there. We did, didn't we? <laughs> and the, the Yanks immediately put the two of us together as a pair of Aussies, one, one who knows all about uh, gyrocopters and one who's fascinated with them. It's like Elmer Fudd said, be very, very white. <laughs> Aussies rule. <laughs> now, how do you have to settle an argument for us, right? Is it gyrocopter or gyrocopter? What blows your hair back? Well, gyrocopter works for me. Okay. Well, I'll throw a third one in there, gyroplane. There you go. Okay, how can I pronounce that, Grant? Gyroplane. <laughs> how about a fourth one? Autogyro. Ooh. How about autogiro? Autogiro. Autogiro. Espanol. Whatever you want to call it, it's the most fun you can have with your pants on. <laughs> And it's probably the safest form of aviation you'll get into. And I don't mean to offend anybody else, but seriously. No, it is it is a lot of fun. I've been up in a couple of them mm. and uh, really enjoy uh, going up, flying them. They're just There's just something magic about them. Look, there is. It's um, It's been around since um, you know, around 1912 uh, when it was actually first formulated as a concept in aviation but and it's gone through many many incarnations but with this new generation type of aircraft the stability is absolutely amazing the reliability is amazing the engineering and and the amount of investment from companies around the world into gyro aircraft for example the autogyro company in germany uh, their their factory and their setup is just intense it's amazing you know, the there's just the certification process yep. under British Civil Aviation is 380,000 euro per <laughs> aircraft, <laughs> per, per type. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just horrendous the amount of money that they've invested to ensure safety. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's a lot of money just to get it across the line and make mm. sure it's all done right because I know there was the whole uh, thrust vector issues and centre of gravity and things like that back in the past. Look, it's, I think it's one of the, the last bastions of, of aviation to receive significant development. It's, it's undergoing huge expansion and development at the moment. You can see, looking back at what people perceive as gyro is that Mad Max type of thing. You know, the, <laughs> and, and look, you know, there's no substitute for aviation construction standards and aviation construction methods. They're tried, they're proven, and they keep people alive. Yep. Generally, it doesn't matter whether it's gyro or any other form of aviation. You start taking shortcuts, that's when people get hurt. Yeah. So 
this the new generation aircraft are, are, are much more stable. Um, they're certainly a lot more user friendly. Uh, you look at well, take fixed wing for example. You go back in the the older days with some of the wing designs and so on at the stall they were very skittish and they'd just drop a wing or and just roll over. You had to be a pretty good pilot. Well. What they've done with this new generation type machine, such as the Autogyro ones, is they've made it user-friendly. They've made it available for anybody that wants to fly. You don't have to be a fighter pilot to fly one of these things. Which is good. It means I've got a half-decent chance of being able to fly it. Yeah, what's an F-18 worth now? <laughs> <laughs> Considerably more. Than- <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, and, and the fixed-wing guys that actually do go for a, a, a flight in one of these things, these later ones, we haven't had one yet get out and say, nah, I hated that. <laughs> We've had a couple of them said, yeah, it was okay, but not for me. Yep. But more often than not, they come back with a smile. We call it a gyro grin. <laughs> they come They come back, with, seriously, they come back with a smile that you, you, you almost got to surgically remove it. And it just, it does its own thing, hey. Yeah. It, it just, you don't have to speak. You just see it on their face. And uh, we've got quite a good lineup of um, autogaros here. Uh, we've got the uh, the ones that look a little bit like a two seat mic. Uh, sorry, two seat uh, motorbike. With yeah, that's some, the MTO Sport. That's a two seat tandem, yeah. uh, open machine. I guess if you're a, a motorcyclist or um, you know someone that, that likes that kind of stuff, very manoeuvrable, very agile. You know, hugely hugely fun to throw around the sky yeah I mean there's all sorts of silly things that you see on YouTube and, and you can do it eh? <laughs> <laughs> but nice. I've never done it oh no no, no <laughs> I've heard about it but that, I've never done it that wasn't you in that video no 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 <laughs> but no it's um, that's the MTO sport uh, there's over 1100 of those flying in the world at the moment um, there's, a, there's quite a number here in Australia the other one that you see there is the Cavalon and it's uh, a two seat side by side and uh, that aircraft's only two years old, and it's yep. it's probably state of the art. It's it's the benchmark at the moment because it's the latest model. Yep. And um, yeah, th- that aircraft is just something to behold. If you just stand and look at the finish on it, it's it's like uh, Mercedes Benz motor cars. All the panels meet the right way with the right lines. It's yeah, it's it's German engineering at its best. Well, I must say, I never I never thought I'd see a gyrocopter with an enclosed cabin. So it was quite fascinating to see that. Oh, Jetsons have arrived. Don't worry about that. It's no longer a dream. <laughs> the Jetsons have arrived. <laughs> the, well, the funny thing about that aircraft, though, is that um, you can put two reasonable, reasonably big people in it with a bit of luggage and some fuel, and it'll still clip along at 80 knots. Now, yep. 80 knots is something that the fixed-wing world was dreaming about 15 years ago Yeah, as a regular, reliable thing. But I'll throw in an extra for you. How about a fuel burn of about 14.7? Litres per hour. That's it. Nice. To give you an indication, uh, to tomorrow this year at Easter time, we staged through Narromine. Um, we did the, the, the total air time of three hours, 50, three hours 55 minutes, and a total fuel burn of 43 litres. And that's in the enclosed cabin? Both. On both? We picked nice. up a very nice tailwind from <laughs> Narromine onwards, but we haven't got it today, I can tell you. <laughs> well, well, speaking of arriving at various places, you guys uh, look quite nice when I thought that you were helicopters from a distance, so I didn't have a real good view mm. where I was talking into a microphone at the time. <laughs> and uh, it looked like about five or six of you in formation. Uh, as five of us came down, and uh, Rick Elliott uh, came in a little later. He came in from Wall's End, or Summersby, actually, north of Sydney. Um, but five of us uh, departed from um, Lake Keep It, which is um, approximately two hours flying from here. Nice leisurely cruise along. But, yeah, no, the um, the aircraft fit in nicely. They, they're actually pretty much as fast as, as most of your, your lighter 
uh, fixed wings. So we yep. slot into the circuit without any problem. There's a helicopter on a, on a fixed wing pilot that I think didn't see us on the way in, but never mind. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> and I, I guess you were getting, a, um, especially in the open cockpit, you were getting a little chilly. It was a rather brisk morning. I have to say that um, today, and I've flown into Queensland uh, in May, and that's yep. from 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 Gunnedah into Queensland in May, and that's not exactly warm. <laughs> and I have to say today, probably with the wind chill, this is the first time I've really felt anything like cool. Yep. Um, but ordinarily, no. In summer, we fly, I fly in shirt sleeves. Yeah. It's just oh, awesome. In summer, it's a breeze. It's dreamy. I've got to tell you, in that two-seat tandem, the, the, the MTA Sport, take off about an hour and a quarter before last light, everything in the world starting to slow down. The lake's like glass and a lap around Lake Keep it is the most romantic thing you'll ever do with your girlfriend, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but mind you, you can keep yourself amused too. <laughs> the fishermen love us. Yeah. Actually, uh, we fly down, we do sort of 500 feet down the foreshore and uh, the guys are out there trolling around fishing and there's hands waving and, yeah, it's yeah. good fun. Cool. It's good fun. So you folks are here, um, you've got a nice display of all the various uh, types here. and We brought um, MTS Sport and Cavalon with us today. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do was not just put our demonstrators on, on the line, we wanted our pilots, our owners to come. Yep. And um, you know, what, we, what we try to do is step back because everybody's used to having the distributor go at you and uh, I think it's far better that people that are gyro curious, if I could use that, <laughs> um, or um, you know, people that are looking seriously at, at, at jumping into the gyro world, talk to the owners, talk to the guys that fly these things, because I'll tell you straight out warts and all what they feel, what they yep. want, what they don't want, what they like and what they don't like, and, and it, it makes the selection process, it makes the whole introduction process so much more valid than having someone trying to sell you something. Yeah. Well, speaking of trying to sell you something, have you got any special deals for folks? Oh, I think if they come and grab me by the arm and uh, leave um, their very gorgeous wife with us for about an hour, we'll, we'll get her squared away and um, I'm sure that she'll allow the uh, the hubby to sign the cheque. But look, come and have a yarn to us because we do we do have a couple of things there that we, um, we'd like to do. Yep. And, um, you know, somebody that wants to get involved with us as a result of today will we'll definitely benefit. There's no doubt about that. Okay. But I'm going to keep it close. Okay. They'll really have to twist your beer arm. Uh, oh, I wish I could drink it. <laughs> Jack lives here. Ah. Uh. <laughs> okay, the JD arm. Yep. <laughs> so uh, anything else you'd like to say to us while you're here? Look, I, um, I we're really pleased to be able to be here. This is – Narrow Mind's a really central venue. I know there's been discussion about other events that have moved elsewhere and, and I'd like to think that SAAA are the EAA of Australia. Um, they've certainly got the opportunity to be and, and I guess by structure they are already and I just congratulate them for trying to do this and to try to get this going and, and I hope that everybody that's aviation-centric will support it into the future. We need more of these kind of things. It's uh, Aviation is probably more affordable now than it's ever been with, with our wage creep. Uh, there's more and more people wanting to learn to fly and learning to fly and I think the industry needs to be there to satisfy that need yep so that's that's why we love being here yep no we're very happy to be here and see everyone joining in and enjoying flying and uh, we'd like to also thank you for uh, coming along and exhibiting and helping to support Ozfly and helping to make it great oh look it's it's a great it's great fun because I, I'm, I'm also catching up with a lot of the fixed wing guys I've known for years so it's, it's kind of it's kind of like a reunion yeah definitely yeah Okay, well, Hunter Jones, thank you very much for coming along and uh, talking to us about the joys of flying gyros. Thanks heaps. (laughs) 
You're listening to Ozfly Radio. Thanks to Aero Refuelers and QBE Insurance, Australia's private and sport aviators together under one sky. Well, folks, it's uh, another beautiful uh, day here. Still going on. A little cold with that wind, but the sun's gorgeous. And, uh, you know, we're enjoying it. I hope you are. And uh, we've just caught up to a friend here, Matt Maud from Performance Medals. Matt, welcome back to Playing Crazy. Thank you very much for having me. Indeed, mate. It's been a couple of years. Last time we caught up with you was at Natfly a couple of years back. Yeah, about the same sort of weather, nice and cold. <laughs> yeah. This must be something about aviation, you know, the wind, the sun. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Performance medals, can you uh, let everyone here know what you do? Um, we specialise in importing material, um, obviously aviation spec material, mostly from the USA. Uh, chromoly tubing, aluminium sheet, chromoly sheet, basically everything. Uh, raw material side to put in your aircraft to build stuff from scratch. Okay, cool. And hopefully not do repairs. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff that lasts. That's right. (laughs) Okay, and uh, last time we spoke to you, you had a couple of things coming up, and I believe they're all starting to happen for you. Yeah, going pretty well at the moment. We've got quite a lot of uh, material on the the run at the moment in regards to getting into stock. Uh, We've probably got um, almost 80 tonnes on the water at the moment. Uh, It's going to arrive before Christmas. Uh, having a little bit of a change on uh, what we're holding on the floor, um, doing special orders on aluminium sheet at the moment and aluminium tube, but we've got some good specials over there at the moment just to clear out some older stock and uh, in with the new, so to speak. Yeah, 80 tonnes, that's a lot of metal. Yeah, yeah, we've got to uh, keep up with the demand, so that's good. So you're getting seeing a bit of uh, an upswing in the market for people doing uh, work with metal? Yeah, yeah. Um, overall, um, aviation's very good to us, hence why we're here. Um, and the other areas that we do on the motorsport side as well. That's, you know, always yeah. pays to have a few irons in the fire. <laughs> yeah, as one market's down, the other's up, things like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. So um, what kind of, uh, if we would come to you for the metal, what kind of uh, parts and gear, what, what would you be creating for us? Well, if you've got your plans from a, uh, a kit that you might have bought online, um, you can come to us with your plans and we can go through that plan and uh, work out exactly what you need out of that uh, for your bill of materials. We can cut for your length and we can supply it all to you if you require it that way or we can supply your full lengths. And uh, so what kind of aircraft uh, projects do you know of that you've been supplying lately? Um, lots, lots. <laughs> um, going from um, one end of the scale, we do F-35, the new Joint Strike Fighter stuff as well, so right up to the other end. And, uh, yeah, it's been pretty busy overall and uh, very enjoyable. How long have you been with the F-35 project? Um, We've probably been in there for three years now, I think. Uh, Very interesting dealing with them, but um, overall it's interesting on where the material ends up. Indeed, indeed. All the way from a little uh, home-built aircraft all the way up. Yeah, um, gets machined here in Australia and then shipped back to... um, to uh, Dallas to get put into the F-35 and then shipped all over the world. <laughs> Great. A bit weird, but yeah, it works well. <laughs> so uh, what's coming up on the future? Um, we've got, um, yeah, as I said, a lot of material coming in. We've got good coverage on all that. Um, there's probably just under 300 sizes of material that we're going to have on the floor. Um, better stock levels than we've had in the past, which is obviously good going forward. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, just there waiting for the call, love servicing and helping people out. Okay. Have you got any uh, special deals going while we're here? Yeah, well, up on the wall we've got some good prices on some aluminium extrusion and aluminium sheet and plate. We've got some uh, scrap aluminium, not scrap scrap, but just good offcuts at scrap prices yep. that we've got in the trailer ready to go, two bucks a kilo. 
So, um, yeah, don't eat too much so you can take some more home on the aircraft with you. <laughs> Squeeze some more metal in. Exactly. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to tell us while you're here? Um, yeah, thank you very much for having us. Appreciate the time. And, um, yeah, I've been enjoying the uh, last few years and, yeah, it has been a while since we last caught up. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks, Matt, and thanks for coming down to Ozfly and helping support Ozfly by being an exhibitor. Yeah, thank you very much and see you again next year. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. You're listening to Osfly Radio, thanks to Air Area Fearless and QBA Insurance, Australia's private and sport aviators together under one sky. And we welcome to the mic, uh, Jenny Wickham. Now, Jenny, how many air shows have I been to this year? And every one of them I've bumped into you and Jim. Uh, certainly been a few, but um, it's great to catch up with you guys because uh, you certainly give um, an outlet for meeting pilots that often are on the other side of the fence. And um, the interviews I've been listening to in the last couple of days have been fabulous because it's not easy for every pilot to stop on an air show day um, pretty well towards the end of the day is probably the best tri- time to try and catch up. But everybody, uh, look uh, out on the flight line now and you'll see this, well, I think is an amazing gold little helicopter. And uh, this is probably an aviation success story. Um, the Robinson R22 has been around probably nearly 40 years now and um, it's an American-built uh, helicopter this is what you'll be seeing, Jim, uh, similar to what a musterer would do. Uh, it's a little way off there in the paddock, but uh, if you, he's trying to keep it up for a bit today to just show you what a special little helicopter these R-22s are. They can be deceptive, can't they, Jenny? They're quite nimble-looking machines in the air, but uh, very, very versatile and uh, can perform just as well as uh, some of their larger counterparts. That's right, and um, when you read a little bit about the Robinson... Um, and if you talk to someone like Jim that back in 1987 was a person that really didn't have any ambition to learn to fly, but he went with two friends to Sydney and went to Heliflight and sat across a, a desk and he was the one asking how much for the licence, how much for, for the machine. And uh, this is where Jim's flying started in the Robinson R22. So what you're seeing, you know, the sideward movements the backward movements, the tight turns. You're looking at a pilot with well over 2,000 flying hours. Well, uh, I, as I just said before, earlier, I've got a uh, remote control helicopter, gas-powered one, and I was doing manoeuvres like that, but they certainly weren't intentional. Well, uh, the Robinson is probably um, what most people will learn in, or the Hughes 300. Uh, they're probably, because they're a lightweight helicopter, they're... Well, what I would describe as twitchy, but um, I've been flying myself for the last 14 years and, um, whoa, there we go. (laughs) And I can tell you that manoeuvre, if you're lucky enough, we don't really do it with a passenger, but it it feels quite amazing. So, um, but anyway, he's uh, putting it to its test out there today. But uh, as I said, 14 years down the track, they are certainly my friend now, but uh, it takes most people that uh, try to fly an R22, probably about 15 hours, to actually feel happy in the hover. And then the instructor will then take you out on a bit windy day and then uh, suddenly you've got this little thing that wants to whip around in 360-degree circles. But uh, 
Everyone gets it in the end, some take a little bit longer, but uh, as I said, Jim's quite an experienced helicopter pilot who has then gone on to follow a fixed wing um, path and you'll be seeing Jim a little bit later on flying the Stuart three-quarter scale Mustang. Um, as I said, the, the Robinsons have made over 8,000 helicopters to date. They're a piston engine helicopter. If you look out towards the windsock, you'll see a bigger version of what you're seeing in the display. That is called the R44. Jim's helicopter is powered by a 360-like homing, 180 horsepower. So with someone like myself behind the controls, not being a heavy person, I can get 100, I can cruise at about 90 knots, which is about 160 kilometres an hour, which is get up and go. I can leave home, which is Tyre, based in Victoria, and I can be in Wagga in two and a half hours. So it's not bad going, and in Sydney in five. So uh, there he goes again, having that uh, nose pointing towards the ground. I hope on your transit to Wagga, uh, Jenny, you wouldn't be flying like that. Oh, well, I leave this air displaying up to Jim because, um, as I said, they're twitchy and um, you see all the musters doing that low level between the trees and most, most of the time the cattle are under the trees. So uh, there's a, a bit of a knack. And the main thing we uh, helicopter pilots always are protective of is our rotors and our tail rotor. So, um, but as I said, they're just a proven product the serial number of this particular machine in the display is uh, 4,694, so there's uh, been a lot of R22s before. As you can see, Jim just coming into land, I think. And this is the beauty of helicopters. You don't seem to need a runway, <laughs> which uh, that's the bit I like. So Jim will be back this afternoon for another little helicopter display. So um, anyone wanting to know a little bit more about the R22, Please come along to the flight line and Jim and I are more than happy to uh, get you started in the world of helicopters. Thanks very much, Jenny. Jenny Wickham, and as I said, you'll find Jim and Jenny Wickham. They're regulars on the airshow circuit. And if you're ever down there at uh, Tyab Air Airfield there, it's just south of Melbourne, make sure you give them a visit there at Wicko's World. Fantastic. See some of their fantastic uh, collection of aircraft there. You'll be very, very impressed. Yeah, thanks, Jenny. And uh, good luck navigating the ladder down from the perch. Chris Brown, welcome to Playing Crazy Down Under. How are you going? Yeah, very well, thanks. That's good, mate. I understand you were part of the inaugural balloon trek to Narromine. Yes, absolutely. We just uh, finished our first Elgas balloon trek, starting at The Rock in New South Wales, finishing up here at Narromine at Ozfly, and uh, it's been a great adventure. Now, The Rock, I know that's a, a bit of a waypoint for a lot of the VFR pilots flying to and from various points across the uh, New South Wales landscape. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that like from the air? Oh, it's a hell of a formation, about 30k south of Wagga and uh, flying over it was just amazing, a hell of an experience. I understand it took a couple of days before you could do that though. Yeah, well, nothing like 65 kilometre winds to stop you from flying a balloon, but we, <laughs> we hung out to the third day and had a beautiful flight over the rocks. So. Okay. Who was organising all that? Uh, this was organised by Richard Swansborough, who's um, uh, based in Canoundra, who um, built his own balloon, Bumblebee, and flies that as an experimental balloon around uh, New South Wales. Oh, nice. Hell of a guy. And so he went through all the hard yards, got a whole bunch of balloonatics together, and uh, so what we do, you actually fly to Canoundra and then fly it on, or...? Did... No, we basically just picked out some a series of... Uh, attractions in various towns and went drove to each town and flew over them so we started at the rock uh, flew over the rock then we traveled up to Tamora to fly around there and then up to Weddon Mountains National Park 
west of Grenfell. Okay. Beautiful place. Flew over there and then moved up to uh, Molong where we did a balloon glow. Unfortunately, no flight. Weather was not, not good enough, but a balloon glow where two-thirds of the town came out to welcome us. And how we many had, people is that? I mean, some people oh, might think oh, it's 20, 30 people, you know. Yeah, no, we had 800 people. Oh, wow. 800 that's, people. That's a big town. Yep, fantastic people. Put on a dinner for the balloonists, put on a breakfast the next day, and uh, just loved every minute of it. Then we moved up to Narromine where we've uh, done a couple of flights, and uh, it's yeah, all finished now and ready for looking forward to next year must admit I'm a little disappointed this morning I finally finished working the one morning I've got that I can come and fly with you guys and mm. it's windy as you may be able to hear in the background absolutely it was a shame but uh, we had a beautiful flight here yesterday and uh, Narromine's a great place and uh, yeah looking forward to coming back next year and Chris I understand you've started clocking some uh, hours under instruction yes I'm yeah I think I'm one of the newest student pilots and I had my first flight with an instructor yesterday with Paul Gibbs and uh, yeah fantastic feeling now I'm off and running so most excellent well done and congratulations on joining the fold on that one because you've been crew for quite a while. Yeah, about 10 years of crewing and uh, finally finally doing the pilot bit. So, <laughs> Finally decided to, quote Dino, you'd cross over and become a burner boy. That's right, yeah, from the good <laughs> side to the dark side. That's the one. <laughs> Come and join us in the dark side. We've got burners and cookies. Absolutely. Can't wait. <laughs> Chris, mate, thanks very much for taking a couple of minutes to come on the show. Uh, good luck with your drive back to Brisbane, yep. and uh, we'll see you around. Yeah, good. Thanks for that. Cheers, Grant. Cheers. Well, folks, I tell you what, it doesn't matter where we go in the country, Grant always seems to be able to find a hot air balloon pilot. Well done there, mate. Oh, mate, no worries. Um, Chris is learning at the moment. He's been crew for a long time, but now he's uh, crossing over to be a burner boy, and uh, there's a, uh, you know, Balloonatics all around the place. You just never know sometimes. Well, mm. there we go. And so there was a, just a small package of interviews there. We, we had uh, intended to get a few more than that, but uh, as it turns out, uh, running a little mini radio station takes a lot more work than we thought. Yeah, that and the uh, commentary for the three air displays uh, kept us pretty dang busy, and there wasn't a lot of time to go and uh, track down the other vendors, who, I must point out, were pretty busy themselves. They were very occupied uh, chatting to prospects and making sales and so on. So, uh, yeah, we'll follow up with them afterwards and, and bring a few on the show as and when we uh, have them over the, the rest of this year and maybe early into next year. I'll tell you what, mate, uh, one thing that did make it a bit easier there is that it wasn't just you and me there. Of course, uh, we had our support crew, of course, Alan Van Page, our uh, sound engineer and his brother and my son, and uh, we uh, we managed to drag Ben Jones all the way over from Perth. How are you, Ben? I'm very good, guys. How are you? Very good, yeah. mate. I think you probably set the record for travelling the longest distance to Ozfly. Uh, it certainly felt like it. Yeah, on a uh, aircraft out on Thursday night, uh, we landed in Sydney at uh, 0600 Friday morning and then at uh, 0630, we're uh, in the car and made the uh, the six odd hour trek out to uh, Narromine. Well, you couldn't get them to throw you out the door as you they went over top. Uh, we were originally going to look at um, doing a. Um a regional airline flight from uh, Sydney out to Dubbo and then catching a car, but we'd realised we'd actually get there half an hour earlier if we uh, drove ourselves. <laughs> and did that come through? Like uh, I, I know the uh, the hills around the Blue Mountains and all that kind of stuff and the up and over, if you get su- stuck behind a slow vehicle <clears throat> like I was pulling a trailer, um, that can slow you or a trip quite dramatically. Well, it um, it did. The, the trip was nice and beautiful. I'd never flown over that, that uh, sort of area in the country before, but I should have uh, thought about it earlier. But uh, as we were leaving Sydney, uh, by the time we uh, started our ascent up the hill, we uh, hit the school zones. So Oops. we had to continually speed up and slow down to 40 k's an hour and up and down and up and down. So. <laughs> 
on the road works too, so I dragged out a little bit. Yeah, folks, uh, you, you, we played there a little bit of the uh, airshow commentary that we did. We actually did three lots of commentary in uh, in the two days, and uh, Ben, we uh, we managed to rope you into doing one of them, or was it two of them? We uh, we conned you into. I can't remember now. I believe you uh, roped me into two of them. <laughs> there we go. And, uh, <laughs> I know you appreciated it when I just uh, let you talk about the uh, remote control aircraft and just walked away. <laughs> yes, baptism by fire. Thank you yes. very much, Steve. Yeah, we welcome to the team, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know something about model aircraft? You're live. Go. Ah. <laughs> Steve, Steve, where'd you go? Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was out of there. I was out of there. That was, uh, that was good, though. It was good fun, wasn't it, getting up there? Once we got up there on top of the, uh, the old shipping container, uh, we had a great view. We should tell our listeners that uh, actually the first uh, bit of air show commentary we did on the Friday uh, didn't work out so well. In fact, uh, our, uh, our microphones didn't uh, work as well as we'd liked, and we had to move uh, quite a lot closer to our base station, which was uh, quite a long way off the flight line, so it made it a bit difficult to see the display, but we muddled our way through, and uh, the, the second two, we, we got a much better vantage point, which uh, which was very helpful. Indeed. Okay, so Ben, uh, I don't know, you, you probably didn't have time to get any interviews either, but uh, I believe uh, before you left, you uh, you did get your flight in that you were looking to do, your demonstration flight. Yes, I did go out with Alan from uh, Zen Air Australia and have a uh, just under 30-minute flight in the uh, Zenner 650B Sunday morning just before me and my friend uh, jumped back in the car to drive back to Sydney. That was uh, very nice. Now, for uh, people who yeah, are not uh, familiar with that type of aircraft, can you describe it for us? Uh, it's a two-seat side-by-side, low-wing bubble canopy aluminium construction. It's kind of similar in a way to the um, the Avector Sports Star, the Brumby. It's that low wing. Yeah, it does look quite a lot like uh, that genre of aircraft. I guess in the LSA category, the RAOS category, there's a lot of aircraft of different brands that are similar in styling. I guess you'd be uh, pretty accurate there in saying that this aircraft would fit that bill. So uh, I guess the obvious question, Ben, is how is she to fly? Oh, it's a very nice aircraft, actually. Um, the visibility out of it is great with the uh, bubble canopy. You have a clear line of sight over the nose in, ta- in taxi and uh, takeoff attitude. The elevator is a little bit pitch sensitive. You can't be a big, uh, strong-handed guy flying the aircraft because it is very pitch sensitive. But my uh, glider that I previously owned is also very pitch sensitive, so I'd, I personally didn't have a problem with that. The ailerons are slightly heavy to the feel. But the newer version of the aircraft actually has uh, hinges on the ailerons where this aircraft, this particular aircraft, relied on the top skins to provide the hinging, uh, hinging moment for the ailerons. Oh, but, wow. um, yeah, it's, um, it's a very, very nice balanced aircraft and uh, it flies very nicely. I was suitably impressed with it. And uh, how about the avionics that were fitted into this particular one? Uh, this particular aircraft had some Dynon uh, glass cockpit avionics in there with a uh, suite of radios and a uh, couple of backup steam instruments. So, no, it was very nice to fly. You must have got up at the crack of dawn to do that, mate, because uh, you were long gone before I surfaced, so it must have been uh, quite pleasant weather that time of the morning. Uh, the, the weather was uh, very pleasant, a little bit hazy um, and very chilly. A little chilly. bit windy. Yes, it was, uh, there was a bit of wind around. Yeah, I, I seem to remember you and I having a bit of a chat as I was resignedly heading off to go, well, I don't think I'm going flying, and uh, you were <laughs> heading off to uh, enjoy your flight. Yes, I got I got your text message on my phone saying, uh, it's too windy, I can't fly, grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> <laughs> the polite version. <laughs> yes, and uh, I, I promptly smiled at the phone and says, all right, contact and turn the key on the engine. So, Oh, yeah. ow, ow. Yes. Turn the yeah. knife in my ribs. <laughs> yes. No, I, I rolled out of bed at um, quarter past five and uh, we pre-flighted the aircraft about six in the morning and um, yeah, went for a half an hour flight and a friend of mine who was over there too 
um, who's potentially a builder in the aircraft with me, he went for a uh, 15 minute flight also and uh, he was very suitably impressed too. I would, I would have loved to have been up there and had you guys flying around us but no, they, they look pretty good on the ramp and I've heard good things about them. I'm looking forward to uh, my chance to have a go of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when do we get our chance to do that, Grant? Oh, mate, it could be coming up, you know. It's uh, it's something we're working on. Absolutely outstanding. Well, Ben, uh, you, know, you made the big trek as we said all the way across from the west to Ozfly. Um, worth the trip? What were your impressions of it? Oh, I think the, the trip was worth it. Obviously, being the first uh, air show organised of this type, um, there's probably one or two little glitches and uh, things that need to be polished next time around, but I think it went very well for uh, a first attempt at an air show of that style. Yeah, everyone said, oh, look, I found this and there was this and there was this, but on the whole, it's been great. I, I haven't heard anyone say, ah, oh, it was terrible or anything. Everyone said, oh, look, you know, this is their first go and they're willing to cut some slack and say, you know, we've given feedback and now we're waiting to see, you know, so long as next year's one improves and finds whole new ways to find issues are wrong, but everyone learns and improves on what we uh, figured out from this year, then I, th- I think we're on a winner here. I don't think I've been to any air show that has been perfect um, in all <laughs> aspects, and every air show you go to, there's always things that need to be uh, to be improved. So no, I don't. I don't think the guys missed the mark at all, or the uh, organisers missed the mark. I think they had it very well nailed for the uh, the first inaugural uh, event. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll leave uh, Ozfly there for now, and uh, I, th- I don't think we can say it enough, but it was a fantastic event, and we're certainly looking forward to next year. But uh, meanwhile, Ben, over in the west, uh, as we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, you and over and went to a couple of events, starting with Westfly. Yes, went to the uh, Westfly weekend. Unfortunately, I couldn't spend as much time as I would like there. I had to um, dash off back to Perth for uh, family reasons, but um, it was a it was a great event. Um, the the attendance was um, I it must say it was awesome for the uh, the again a first event held of this uh, type. Many aircraft from um, yeah traditional spam cam GAs flew in for the uh, for the weekend. A lot of ultralights. We had a lot of distributors there with their aircraft on display, so anybody could just walk up and have a chat to the distributor and uh, get some information and pricing about aircraft. And um, Matt Hall was there shaking hands and um, talking to the crowd, and uh, I did catch up with him for a quick two or three minutes and had a quick chat. And, uh, yeah, no, he's a great guy to speak to. So it was a really, really uh, good weekend all round. So you had good weather for the event over there, and uh, I guess it's always good weather over there in the West, isn't it? Uh, Well, (laughs) most of the time it is. no, for the event, it was about 26 degrees, sunny, and uh, probably about one-eighth of cloud in the sky. It was absolutely beautiful. No worries. And uh, what was the other event you went off to? It was the uh, Sportercraft Builders Club had their uh, annual fly-in on the Sunday, and that event is a, a showcase of uh, people who build their own aircraft. We have them out on the airfield, and people can walk around and have a look at them and uh, one or two displays. But uh, no, that was a, a very, very good event, something uh, in the order of about 130 aircraft we're uh, on display and we had vintage car clubs and uh, a vintage uh, motorcycle club was there too. A lot of aircraft, uh, Silver Centenary, a um, couple of Stearmans, a Colt, Tiger Moss, usual gaggle of RVs of varying uh, types and uh, other home-builts and a display of a couple of uh, home-builts being built in uh, in current progression uh, in the uh, maintenance hangar. So that uh, was a really, really good day. Oh, fantastic. And uh, given uh, what you told us in the last podcast where you were talking about uh, some of your uh, your hobbies, you'd have been right in your element there with all the, uh, all the builders. Oh, it was uh, it was good. Uh, I met, caught up with a couple of people I hadn't seen for a very long time and um, 
Yeah, no, it was nice to uh, actually have a look over other people's projects and uh, see how they've done things and uh, get some ideas and uh, tips off them. Now, we want to mention to all our listeners over there in the West, uh, particularly if you're from an aviation business or uh, any, anything to do with aviation over there, uh, if you've got a story idea for Ben, because, you know, we've given him the odious task of, uh, you know, being our reporter for, oh, I don't know, grant about one third of the continent over there. Oh, I think so, yeah. It works out about that much. So uh, certainly drop us a line here, playing crazy down under at gmail.com. A lot of people pass us ideas and then some people say, gee whiz, you never did that. Well, we do our best, guys. This <laughs> we do our best. So uh, please pass them on and uh, we, we try to follow up as many of them as we can. And, uh, you know, we, we're really looking forward to uh, having Ben over there in the West uh, getting some content and talking about expanding our team. Uh, we'll be uh, having a bit more news about that uh, towards the end of this program. But before any of that, I hear someone coming down the street. Oh. It's the Midnight Posty. The good old Midnight Posty. I wonder if he wears a cape or something, you know. I don't know, but hopefully he's wearing uh, reflective stuff, otherwise someone's going to run him over. Actually, I've noticed that all the Australia Post uh, Posties out this way now have a cute little fluorescent yellow flag on the top of their Honda motorbike. Yes, they have them on the push bikes too around Abbotsford area. I've seen them from the new office. And, uh, yeah, we, we should get a couple of those. We have, have a few things that we need to mark off around the office so that People don't drive over low walls when they're backing equipment in. <laughs> well, i got something similar here in the studio. It says, um, it's a little windsock, actually, and it says Oshkosh 2011. Yay. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying. Memories. Here we are. Actual simulated paper email. Oh, my God. You've got a sound effect for that? Yeah, well, no, actually, I'm shaking it in front of my microphone, but given that I've uh, modified the studio recently with a new uh, noise gate and compressor limiter, it's a wonder it hurt it at all. Mate, I've got to tell you, it's amazing that you're still using me to talk to you with that uh, technology you've got in there. You don't need me anymore. <laughs> and now, every time we talk around, I've got lots of blinking lights in here now. It's fantastic. <laughs> Does blinking and beeping and that's, buzzing. Anyhow. That's exactly right. Now, uh, we'll do a couple of uh, listener mails. We've had quite a few, but we'll just pick a couple at random here. And uh, this first one comes in from Lexington, Kentucky. That's easy for me to say. I reckon. And it's uh, from Brian. He says, uh, greetings from Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, the home of Bluegrass Airport, K-Lex. Uh, Brian Judd is his name. Recently got his private pilot's license, so I think we need a studio cheer for that. Woo-hoo. Well done, Brian. Awesome stuff, mate. Yeah, no, fantastic. And uh, he just wants to, uh, he just expresses his appreciation for the show and says he listens to it all day at work. So, uh, boy, obviously not getting much work done there, Brian. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he actually says here that he's uh, usually getting four to five episodes done per day and now he's running out of content. Now, I've got to warn you, Brian, I said this in an email that I sent back, don't go back to the earlier ones because they sound terrible. Oh, I know, the first five. Cringing. Yes, absolutely. So he wants to know if we could please start putting out eight hours a day so he can keep getting his fix. Well, yes, we'd love to do that. I'm not sure my employer would be too thrilled about it, Brian, but uh, we'd give it a go. All our our respective other halves. That's exactly right. What do you think, uh, Ben? If we, we put you to work over there for at least three hours a day and then Grant and I could fill in the other five? I'd uh, I'd love to do it for three hours a day, but unfortunately I have commitments to the uh, the, uh, the bank to uh, keep paying the house mortgage. Oh, those those little details, man, those little details. And uh, besides, you've got all that other stuff that takes up your time, like, you know, building aircraft. Yes, yes, and uh, looking at buying aircraft too, so, yeah. Well, Brian, we really appreciate you listening uh, all the way over there in uh, Kentucky. Uh, that's great stuff, mate. And if you do run out of content, well, you can always uh, go to uh, thevoicesinyourhead.com over there at the Aviation Media Network, and uh, there's plenty of uh, fantastic aviation podcasts uh, that you can pick up there. In fact, I was just listening to the latest episode of the Pilot's Journey podcast the other day with uh, Pilot Stew and all the other all the other associated stews in that show. Yeah, there's a lot of stew and good stuff there. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think they something about uh, doing about three thousand hours in a Piper Cub or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it might only take you an hour to go somewhere in a Twin, or two hours to go there in a one eighty two. In a Cub, it's often four or five hours. But you know what? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, I think it was uh, Mike Stew that, was, that did that trip. So that's right. He's the Cub band. Well, I think I think I would have taken a Bonanza for that trip. By the way, Mike, if you're listening. Ah, dear. Anyway. No, low and slow. Watch the world and go past and have conversations with them through the open door. (laughs) Yes, watch the cars drive past you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you get them on the bends and the curves and, you know, when they're going up and down hills. Yeah, absolutely. We should send Kathy Mexted over there. She can fly fly cub. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, Brian, for uh, taking the time to write into us. And uh, Grant, someone else who's done that is a gentleman by the name of Mick, uh, now uh, or Bomb One. It says here on his uh, on his email. Now uh, he sent a really interesting e- email in here. Grant, would you like to summarise it for us, mate? It uh, sounds like Mick has been around uh, aviation for quite some time. He has uh, done a fair bit of meat bombing where he was the bomb. Uh, it looks like he's done quite a few uh, jumps. Uh, he's experienced various airlines. He's uh, had all sorts of amazing experiences, including a couple of uh, perhaps overweight takeoffs where he was one of the uh, passengers, and uh, he's currently wondering what to do next. Uh, it looks like he's he's enjoying his aviation world and got quite a few experiences on the ground or in the air as an observer, but uh, he's now wondering about, ooh, I don't know, should he go and do an aerobatic ride with Matt Hall? Should he uh, go off and watch Antarctica from the sky or go fly in a Strike Master or, you know, all sorts of things or even <gasps> get his license? Yeah, now, we've been discussing this before the Listener Mail segment, and we have a suggestion here. Uh, what do you reckon, Ben? Yeah, I reckon the uh, the best thing to do if he's got a bit of spare cash is to go and do a license. Absolutely. Go Spot go on. Go and fly gliders. Yeah, he, he says he wants to do that, and, uh, you know, I think that would be a good idea, do his, do his license. He does note doing a uh, balloon ride for $380 for a nice sleep. He's obviously never gone flying with me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'd be a thrill ride. Well, you know, um, you know, what the other thing we mentioned is, you know, whether if you've got five grand spare, just hit our donate button there on our website. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, there is always that. We'll read your email every week, Mick, if you like. <laughs> We'd put out an episode every couple of weeks if you donate <laughs> we would, five thousand. I tell you, we could podcast for eight hours a day with that sort of money. <laughs> there you go. Mick could make it great for our friend in Kentucky. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, uh, there's a lot of uh, fantastic options that he's looking at there. Uh, you know, for someone who's gone meat bombing, now you've had your chance there, Mick. You, you keep jumping out of perfectly serviceable aircraft. So, you know, that's not a natural act, Grant. Well, mate, clearly he's an adrenaline junkie. So maybe, yeah, maybe he should go and do that uh, high-speed aerobatics with Matty Hall. We should just strap him into your car and take him for a ride to Richmond. Yeah, yeah, but that's only <laughs> like, you know, couple of dimensions and a bit of a scream as you go horizontal but uh you know strap them in with maddie and get them that third dimension yeah well yeah what about going to jetride.com.au slash pcdu even better get, get that with a jet yeah. oh mate yeah get our good mate mark pricey to take you up that'd work just mention our names and he'll only charge you double that's right yeah yeah i'm sure he'll take you five grand off you mate but uh yeah good luck <laughs> with your choices there and uh certainly let us know how you go mick yeah definitely keep us posted mate we're looking forward to hearing more and uh see how you go with uh, exploring the world of aviation but getting your license is cool because then you can find all new ways to uh, <clears throat> destroy your money but at least you're the one in command fantastic and uh thanks to everybody who's uh taken the time to write into us uh, we we do make 
appreciate the uh, the effort to write back to uh, people that write into us, playingcrazydownunder at gmail.com, and uh, we try and uh, get a little bit of listener mail into as many shows as we can. So there you go. But, uh, Grant, let's move on to shout-outs. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, after Ozfly, uh, I'd like to give a shout-out first and foremost to our fantastic sound engineer, Alan Van Page. In fact, we've uh, we've upgraded him to the title of engineer without even asking him. Yeah, no, well, you know, when I saw him uh, stripping those wires with his teeth and rubbing them together to make all the current run, I thought, yep, that's an engineer, mate. I'll tell you what, after that weekend, it's a wonder he's got any hair left, I think. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> poor guy, I'll tell you what. Well, you know, he, he did a fantastic job going up early, setting up the sound. Um, his brother, Kurt, was along for the ride to help out as well, and uh, they... They did a fantastic job setting it up and running it. And, uh, yeah, the last I saw them uh, on our trip back, the three of us caught up at the dish in parks and uh, they were off to experience the uh, visitor's centre. Uh, I had a mission to get home, so I just enjoyed the view and then kept going. Now, Alan actually wrote to us, what, Grant, about 18 months ago, I reckon, maybe, maybe about that long ago. Yep. And uh, with just an email out of the blue, just a listener mail like anybody else, uh, suggesting that, hey, guys, have you ever thought about doing air show commentary or, you know, live performances? stuff like that and to be honest we hadn't but uh, we, we got to talking to Alan and it's gone from there and um, he came, comes on the ride with us uh, when we do our road trips now and uh, he's become an invaluable member of the team and uh, I tell you what um, the guys at Ozfly were uh, happy with our setup there and the work we did well uh, well, the three of us here just provided the voices Alan did all the hard work and uh, I tell you what the setup uh, was enormous and the pulling down took him a while as well so uh, fantastic thanks very much Alan uh, definitely mate and don't forget everyone if you're hearing us out there on the uh, circuit doing commentary and everything, it's all Alan's fault. Now, I'd also like to give a, a quick shout-out to my son, Chris, who ended up being the Ozfly camp cook. Well, at least he cooked for me and himself. Yeah, he cooked for a few of us. There was a couple of meals there that we all got to partake of. So, yes, well done, Junior Chris. Uh, he uh, he even got to sleep in a tent. I had brought a tent along with me as a fallback just in case my accommodation left early. And uh, I wound up trying to stay extra nights. And as it turned out, Chris was the one who slept in the tent. Yes, and he was very happy about it too. Almost as happy as he was about the fact that he actually got a day off school to come up. There you go. That always helps, doesn't it? Yes, in fact, I said to him before, I said, you might be a bit bored, mate. I said, but don't just come because you're getting a day off school. And he goes, oh, no, Dad, that's not why I'm coming. He certainly cooks certainly cooks a mean chop. And uh, my shout-outs to uh, everyone who came up and said hi to us during Ozfly. It was great to uh, put some faces to a few names. And uh, also great, of course, to see our mate, the Airstig, who was doing a bit of a long-distance uh, relocation and dropped in to say hi, and he camped out with a couple of mates. Uh, uh, he dropped in during the day, hung out. We all sort of kicked around a bit at night at the campground. And then uh, it was suddenly Saturday morning. I was getting ready to put all the information together for that day's air displays and get all the systems set up. And uh, he was off. Have you ever noticed uh, with when it comes to the air stick, our anonymous donor from Canberra, that uh, we bump into him. The further away we go for a uh, for a road trip, the we're more likely to bump into him. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And, and you know what's really amazing? It's just how he can eat and drink through that helmet. Yeah, I, I, thought, mean, I thought it looked a bit awkward. I, I said it would work a lot better if you raise up that visor. Oh, yeah, but he wasn't having any of that. He wants to keep that anonymity going. That's right. I've never seen his face. Yeah, indeed. Few have. <laughs> That's right. I don't know how he does it. I've tried to uh, eat a ham sandwich whilst wearing a Gentex helmet, and it, it doesn't doesn't end up in a pretty state. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think we'll leave shout-outs there for now, Grant. But uh, just before we finish up the episode, I wanted to uh, make mention there of the interview we put there with uh, Gordon Rich Phillips. And uh, I guess, Grant, a bit of an apology up front to our listeners for the poor state of the audio quality there. We uh, pride ourselves on the quality of our audio here at PCDU. But uh, I think it's fair to say that the experiment we tried there with the recording uh, there in his uh, big boardroom didn't quite work out as we'd hoped. No, not quite, mate. Despite the best that those eye things could do, and even having them backed up by two Zooms, there was a lot of background hum and uh, yeah, picked up more background noise than Gordon, which is a shame because he had some wonderful things to say. And I, I mean, the content of that chat is great, but uh, yeah, once again, scuppered by air conditioning. Absolutely. But as uh, as you said, he had a lot of good things to say. And uh, if you'd like to know more about Gordon Rich Phillips, uh, once again, his website is at rich-phillips.com.au. And uh, as you heard him say at the end there, particularly anybody down here in Victoria, if you've got some uh, questions you'd like to ask the minister with regard to aviation issues, be certainly happy for you to uh, email those into him so uh, if you do that let us know that you've done it so we can follow up with him indeed and we're looking forward to catching up with him again in the near future with some other topics to talk about just before we go we did mention that uh, yes we're expanding the team yet again grant that's right mate uh, there's not many states we haven't got a presence in now and uh, in fact queensland comes to mind way up north there now, we mightn't mention who it is, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll, we'll have this individual on in the next episode, and let's give a little bit of a hint. If, if you've been listening to this show pretty much since the start, it's someone who you may be familiar to some of you. So uh, once again, expanding our presence, this time up into Queensland, and uh, this is uh, you know this is what we're trying to do, is just uh, expand our reach, just like we've done having been on the show. We've got uh, presence over there in the West now, but uh, once again, Brisbane, very hard for us to get up there. So uh, I think between this person and Anthony Crichton-Brown in Sydney, and Baz over in Adelaide, and been in Perth. I think we've just about got the whole country covered now. Yeah, we just need to find someone in Northern Territory, don't we? Well, we'll keep everybody in suspenders until the next episode. Ben, how's the aviation scene looking over there in the West? Any other events coming up, or is the two you went to, that's it for a while? Uh, I I don't know of anything on the horizon at the moment, but um, I do have a couple of uh, red-hot interviews lined up so far, so uh, watch this space. Some uh, very interesting things uh, will hopefully hit the the podcast sometime in the future. Once again, thanks for uh, coming along and being part of the team there at Ozfly. I know uh, you, we sort of hijacked you. You were coming over for a bit of a trip, but you know we, we thought we'd uh, we'd grab you before you knew what was going on. So we appreciate your help there on the weekend, and uh, uh, particularly with that air show commentary. Uh, my pleasure. I, uh, I I did enjoy myself, and uh, yes, I did. I did get done what I wanted to do, and uh, which was the main reason for the trip. But uh, no, I had a blast, and I uh, certainly will be back over there at some stage in the near future to uh, help you guys out again. It's great. Most excellent. Fantastic. Well, that's everything we have for you on this episode of Playing Crazy Down Under, folks. We promise it won't be another month till the next one. Well, at least that's the intention, Grant. Oh, yeah, I'd be liking to get them out way more often, but, you know, just reality gets in the way. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back very soon with another episode. But until then, just remember this. It's what's down under that counts, folks. You've been listening to Playing Crazy Down Under, hosted by Steve Vischer and Grant McCarran. Show notes, links to our forum, Facebook fan page, YouTube channel, and Grant and Steve's own blogs can be found on our website, www.playingcrazydownunder.com, or keep up with our Twitter handle of PCDU. Comments or feedback can be left on our website, or email us at playingcrazydownunder at gmail.com. If you'd like to help with the ongoing production of the show, feel free to assist via the donate button on the website. Any contributions are most gratefully appreciated. Incidental music and sound effects are courtesy of soundsnap.com and title music is You Name It 5 by Brian Simpson. Production and editing by Steve Vischer. This has been a Southern Skies online media podcast.
kind folks at the Department of the Bleeding Obvious have asked us to make this statement. The views and opinions we present in this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent those of groups we work with or are associated with, although we think they probably should. We certainly don't claim to be experts, we're just opinionated enthusiasts who are willing to comment publicly on the world around us. This show is intended as entertainment and any education that may occur is purely coincidental. As with anything in life, it is your responsibility to determine what does or does not work in your situation and to seek out suitable guidance and or instruction. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial by attribution license. For more details on this license and our contact details, please visit our website at www.playingcrazydownunder.com. Thanks, folks. Okay, that's it. Uh, I'm thinking. (laughs) This is is classic because I just said indeed before because I thought Steve was on a roll and I thought I'm just dropping an indeed. Yeah, this is good. He's on the roll. And then there's silence. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, well, of course, Matt Hall loves us here at Playing Crazy Down Under because uh, obviously we made him famous. (laughs) Right. Right. I I think I can hear the lawyers sharpening their pencils right now, mate. (laughs) That's a uh, segue point, isn't it? That would be my phone. That would be a bad segue. Moment, please. Oh. <laughs> my brother, I must answer this. Hi. What's you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, crap. How you crap, doing? Crap, crap, you're still recording. Ah. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> That's going to be a blooper. You're sprung. <laughs> mm. Anything you say can and will be used as a blooper against you. Yes. The time was going to come. Yeah. It's all downhill from here, mate. <laughs> you knew it when you signed the NDA. <laughs> yes. No, that wasn't Top Gun. That was... Um, the Heartbreak Ridge, Heartbreak Ridge. So you want to say that again? No, I'll do that in post. What a dick. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> well, mate, clearly if he's a... Uh, I, knew mate, as, I knew as soon as I said it, it was wrong. That'll be the Sport Aircraft Association, Steve. What did I say? You'll edit that out, I'm sure. I will. What did no, I? No, you probably won't. You'll leave it in as a blooper. I will. Oh, it'll, it'll come. No, Sport the Aircraft end. Association. What did I? What did I say? I don't know. Sport Aviation. I think. Yeah, I think you said Sport Aviation. You did. Oh, do you want to do that again? Yeah, that's right. I'll do it in post. <laughs> He's good at that. <laughs> it's like you say. You're sitting there going, "Oh yes, yeah, Steve, you're totally correct." Then you, after that, you go, "Hang on, <laughs> what exactly is he going to put in post now?" Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, the magic of post production. <laughs>